This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Silver and Black Flashback with your host, author of the Raiders Encyclopedia, Rich Schmelter. Thank you so much, Murph, the host of the best damn Raiders podcast available. And Murph, thank you also for being a great friend and giving me the opportunity to bring Silver and Black Flashback to listeners. I love it. All right, Raider Nation, let's get going on another trek back into the awesome history of our beloved Raiders. Throughout the history of professional football, there have been many nicknames given to individuals, teams, and units, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Pittsburgh's Steel Curtain, Dallas's Doomsday, the Fearsome Foursome in Los Angeles, and Minnesota's Purple People Eaters are just some of the classic defenses that produced either championships Hall of Famers, or both. Hell, I am just glad I got the last one outright. Purple People Eaters is definitely a tongue twister that probably cannot be said 10 times fast. But let's not try it right now, folks. On with the show. Truly, those defensive units just mentioned were great, but they also were missing one very important thing. They were not wearing the proud colors of silver and black, right? For our Raiders also possessed one of the greatest defensive units in history, and this episode of Silver and Black Flashback proudly honors the 11 Angry Men, a unit that hounded, pounded, and terrified all those that stood in its way en route to the Raiders' first championship crown in 1967. So let's now look back at how these Angries came into the Silver and Black fold and merged into a unit of domination, intimidation, and conquest. The defensive line of Ben Davidson, Dan Birdwell, Ike Lassiter, and Tom Keating were nasty, tough, and brutal. Now, I have always felt that if one had to enter an alley fight and needed to bring along some Raiders for help, Lyle Alzado, John Matuzak, and Howie Long would be the ones chosen. However, that front four of the Angries would prove to be equal to the task as well. Dan Birdwell a six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound defensive tackle was the Raiders' sixth round selection of the nineteen sixty one AFL draft. He was strong and a dominant pass rusher, and the first from the famed eleven angry men to wear a Raiders uniform. Ben Davidson was a six foot eight, two hundred and eighty pound defensive end that joined the Raiders in nineteen sixty four as a free agent. 
both Davidson and Birdwell would become huge fan favorites during their time in a Raiders uniform, and both are going to be in the spotlight of an upcoming episode of Silver and Black Flashback very soon. Until that time when they are featured, just one little teaser about Birdwell occurred the time he consumed an entire fifth of vodka the night before a game. He then went out to play the game the next day, but the vodka decided that it wanted to come out. And Dan Birdwell threw up all over the opposing center and the ball. You just can't make this stuff up, folks. The other starting defensive tackle was Tom Keating, who came to the Raiders in a trade with Buffalo in 1965. The Chicago native was a six foot two, 250-pounder that was quick and very strong. Rounding out the regular starters on the D-line was six foot five inch, 270-pound defensive end Ike Lassiter who found his way to the Raiders as a free agent in 1965 after getting released from Denver. The native of North Carolina was regarded as one of the American Football League's best defensive ends. The linebacking core was anchored by middle linebacker Dan Connors, the Raiders' second-round selection of the 1963 AFL draft out of the University of Miami in Florida. The six-foot, 230-pound Pennsylvania native was the Raiders' first star linebacker on a list of many that followed him in team history. Left-side linebacker Bill Lasky was a six-foot, three-inch, 235-pound Michigan product that came to the Raiders in a trade with Buffalo in 1966 after being on the Bills' 1965 AFL championship team. His speed, size, and tackling skills made him a devastating addition on the famed Oakland unit. Protecting the field from his right linebacker position was six foot one, two hundred and twenty pound Gus Otto from St. Louis, Missouri. Now, even though Gus shared the same last name with the legendary Raiders center Jim Otto, they were not related except in Raiders lore. The fourth round selection of the 1965 AFL draft by the Raiders, Gus was a durable player. The secondary of the 11 Angry Men consisted of cornerbacks Kent McClowan and Willie Brown the only member of this unit to make his way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The safeties were Howie Williams and Roger Bird. Willie Brown was the leader of the secondary from his right cornerback position. The six foot one, 210-pound Mississippi native came to the Raiders in a trade with Denver in 1967. This master of the bump-and-run type of coverage out of Grambling University became the Raiders' defensive captain and all-time leader in interceptions upon his retirement after a lengthy, stellar career. Now, Raider Nation, if you want to hear more about the great Willie Brown, check out Episode 7 of Silver and Black Flashback titled The Soul Patrol. Kent McClellan became a member of the Raiders after a trade with Houston in 1965. The six-foot-one-inch, 190-pound native of Broken Bow, Nebraska, was a master at tight defensive coverage. The final line of defense between preventing a touchdown or giving up one falls to the safety men, and the 67 Raiders had a pair of performers that did their jobs of preventing touchdowns very well. The left side safety position was held down by six foot one inch, 190 pound Howie Williams. The South Carolina native had great speed and was an excellent special teams player in addition to his duties in the secondary. The oldest member of the defense at 31 years of age, Williams came to the Raiders as a free agent in 1964 after being a member of the Green Bay Packers NFL championship team in 1962. 
Roger Byrd completed the Angry's regular starters. The pride of Corbin, Kentucky, the 5'11-inch, 195-pound right safety came to the Raiders as the team's first-round draft selection in 1966. Nicknamed the Corbin Comet, Byrd was physically strong and an excellent tackler. Other players who saw action for the Angries in 1967 were rookie linebackers Dwayne Benson and Bill Fairbanks, fourth-year pro linebacker Bill Budness, and linebacker J.R. Williamson, who started two games. Defensive back Dave Grayson started six games, Warren Powers started three games in the secondary, and rounding out the reserve Angries were defensive tackle Carlton Oates and massive seven-foot-tall rookie defensive tackle Richard Sly. Mentoring this wrecking machine unit was Tom Dams, who handled the D-line, future legendary Raider head coach John Madden coached the linebackers, and Charlie Sumner guided the defensive backfield. This unit matured nicely over a few years, and due to the solid work of the secondary covering receivers, it allowed the linebackers and defensive line to go after quarterbacks and running backs, and man, did they go after them. And no time was wasted establishing themselves as a force to be reckoned with. In a 51-0 blowout win over Denver on opening day, the defense applied constant pressure on quarterback Steve Tensey, sacking him seven times for 70 yards and losses. They held the Broncos to only a pair of first downs, 48 total rushing yards, and a mere 53 yards passing. Warren Powers also got into the scoring column by returning an interception 36 yards for a touchdown. Showing that their opening day performance was no fluke, the 11 angry men helped dismantle the Boston Patriots 35-7 the following week. The defense dedicated itself to ruin Jim Nance week while preparing for this game. Nance was the Patriots running back who ran for 208 yards and a pair of touchdowns against the Raiders one year earlier. Well, this time out, Nance was held to 68 rushing yards and had minus 11 yards on two receptions. As a team, the Patriots were held to only 65 yards rushing, and quarterbacks Babe Pirelli and John Hart were sacked a total of eight times. In addition to punishing Nance and the quarterbacks, the Angries had three interceptions and two fumble recoveries. Those two recoveries helped set up the offense with excellent field position, and that led to two quick touchdowns. With a nearly packed Coliseum crowd of 50,268 looking on, the defense held the defending AFL champion Kansas City Chiefs to 93 rushing yards and stuffed the rest of the Chiefs' offense throughout the first three quarters in a 23-21 victory. It was the third straight week that the defense held teams to under 100 yards rushing. By this time of the season, the 11 angry men were the AFL's top defensive unit. In their following game, the Raiders suffered a loss against the Joe Namath-led New York Jets, who, like the Raiders, were an up-and-coming power in the AFL by the late 1960s. The Jets jumped out to a 17-0 lead and never looked back in a 27-14 win. Emerson Boozer came close to topping the 100-yard rushing mark, but was held to 98 yards on the ground. Despite the loss, the Raider defense held Namath to only 166 passing yards and no touchdown passes after he exploded for 399 and 415 yards in his two previous games, and Willie Brown intercepted two passes. Even though the Raiders suffered a loss, it was during the build-up to this game that the defense earned their nickname of 11 Angry Men, 
Compliments of the New York media. Also, that loss to the Jets was the final one the Raiders suffered during the regular season. They ran the table the rest of the way, finishing at 13-1. In their next game after the loss, the defense recorded 11 sacks and held Buffalo to 38 yards rushing. Middle linebacker Dan Connors pitched in with a 30-yard touchdown following an interception. Against San Diego a few weeks later, David Grayson intercepted three passes, and this unit just kept on rolling all season long with no let-up. Dan Birdwell was honored as the American Football League's Lineman of the Week after terrorizing the Patriot backfield in an easy win on October 24th. While closing in on a division title by the middle of December, the New York Jets arrived in Oakland for a rematch. This time out, even though Joe Namath passed for 370 yards, he suffered a fractured cheekbone, compliments of Ike Lassiter and Ben Davidson. In fact, that image of Namath getting blasted on the play was forever frozen in time and in a frame hanging in Raiders headquarters. Crowning glory for the 11 angry men and the rest of the 1967 Raiders came on December 31st when a true team effort captured the franchise's first league championship with a 40-7 win over the Houston Oilers in the AFL title game. It was there that the magic stopped for this incredible defensive unit, as two weeks later, the Green Bay Packers, winners of three straight NFL titles, beat the Raiders 33-14 in Super Bowl II. Yes, at 4.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, the city of Green Bay was celebrating its fifth championship of the decade as legendary head coach Vince Lombardi got his final victory ride from the Packers. The 1967 AFL season definitely belonged to the Raiders, and the 11 angry men led the league in fewest yards allowed and second in points allowed. It averaged out to giving up only 3.8 yards per play and opposing passing attacks were held to 150 yards or less nine times. The unit ranked second in the league in causing turnovers and rang up six defensive touchdowns, with four coming on interceptions and two on fumble recoveries. And as far as tormenting opposing quarterbacks went, the unit recorded 67 sacks for nearly 700 yards in lost yardage. Like every professional athlete, no matter how great they were, the time comes to say goodbye to the games that they love. For the 11 angry men, trades, father time, and injuries eventually saw this incredible unit fade into the legendary history of the Raiders. Hey, I know that this probably did not happen, but it would have been great to pipe in the classic song, Nowhere to Run to, Nowhere to Hide, by Martha and the Vandellas in the opposing locker room right before they had to take the field against this awesome defensive unit. Now, due to having possibly the worst singing voice in the world, I will spare listeners the torment of singing that tune. But I would rather have the worst singing voice known to the civilized world and be a part of Raider Nation than to be an accomplished singer rooting for any other team. Well, that wraps up another episode of Silver and Black Flashback which means it is once again time to say thank you to listeners. And it is also time to close this show out with the only way I know how. And how is that? By saying, until we meet again, love you, Raider Nation! This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.